Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. Mike Lanana here, joined by Teddy Cahill, who is at Auburn after catching a series against Texas A&M. And uh, thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ, helping health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com slash BA to see if you qualify. And Teddy, this was a crazy weekend in college baseball. Crazy. We had such a, a, a difficult time last night trying to put together this top 25. There was a lot of movement. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go on our website. It's, it's front and center on our website, BaseballAmerica.com, our new college top 25 powered by Louisville Slugger. And if you look at it, you'll see that we have a, a whole new look top 10. Arkansas, after sweeping Kentucky, which was very impressive, moves up to number four. Florida State at number five. Auburn jumps to number six from 13. Ole Miss jumps from number seven jumps to number seven from 11. Kentucky drops to number eight. Vanderbilt moves up from 14 to nine. And the biggest jump of all, and I think this is going to make a lot of people who follow us very happy, NC State moved up from number 23 to number 10. We've heard a lot from NC State fans this year, and they really proved something this weekend by going to Clemson and sweeping the number five Tigers. So that's the new look top 10. No one dropped out. The back end of the poll all took care of business, but there was a lot of shuffling at the top. And really, one of the biggest things that stood out this weekend is just the start of SEC play. We knew it was going to cause some changes in the poll. We weren't sure exactly what to expect, though. Teddy, you, you caught one of the best series in the SEC this weekend firsthand. What were your impressions? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, when we have as many SEC teams ranked as we do, and, and there are eight of them, uh, and you know, we've talked all season long about how deep this league is. Um, so once the, once these teams start playing each other, you're going to find out a lot more, and they're going to beat up on each other a little bit. And as a result, we see changes. But you know, I, I thought here in Auburn, um, you know, they were playing Texas A&M, the top 15 series, and you know, A&M had been really good this season to date and, and as had Auburn and uh, A&M comes in and, and they lose the first two games to, to a really good Auburn team that beat them in a couple different ways. You know, they won on Friday night with T.C. Mize being in just a, a magnificent performance from uh, the junior who at this point is starting to look like uh, the leading candidate to be the uh, 1-1 in June. Uh, he, was, he was fantastic and then on Saturday, Auburn kind of outslugged a and a little bit. They got behind early, but it's a team that plays with a lot of belief, and they uh, they were able to come back, and uh, they exploded for eight runs in the eighth inning to, you know, at that point they took the lead and just blew the game wide open all, all at once. And uh, So it was an impressive, impressive performance from Auburn, and, you know, that's a team that 
you know, kind of last year they started the season really hot, and um, you know they uh, they swept Florida on opening weekend here, and uh, I I was at that series as well, and I, I saw a lot of similarities between those two teams. Um, you know, Auburn last year and Auburn this year, they, they play with the same kind of belief. Um, they're really strong on the mound, but I think this year the the lineup's even deeper, and you know that's significant, and it makes them really really dangerous. Uh, but the whole SEC, uh, very impressive. Uh, Arkansas, incredibly loud weekend. Um, you know, sweeping Kentucky at home. They hit ten home runs in a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, that offense really came alive, and, and they pitched it pretty well. And um, you know, that was the kind of performance from Arkansas that at least I had been waiting for. You know, I mean, I, I've said a lot that I, how much I like Arkansas, how much I believe in Arkansas this year, and um, that. This weekend was was what I was waiting for. It just seemed like you know, that Kentucky team was one of the hottest teams in the country coming in, and Arkansas, you know, just it completely out, you know, out slugged them, um, and you know, they, it, it was a really dominating performance. And um, I, I think it, it was one of the most impressive, probably the most impressive performance of the week. I mean, you look at the scores in that series. My jaw was dropping. I mean, just following along with it online and on Twitter and, and video and all and all of that. I mean, these are blowouts. I mean, Arkansas, and this is a Kentucky team that, I mean, we were raving about on last week's podcast and the podcast before, and for good reason, because they performed really well. And you look at what Arkansas did to the Wildcats. I mean, they won Friday 9-4. to Then they won 14-2. to then they won 16-9. I mean, and we, we, we've talked a lot about Kentucky's pitching staff. That's one of the strengths of the team. It's a, it's a deep weekend rotation and a talented weekend rotation. And it's, uh, it's pretty crazy to see those kinds of scores uh, against a, a pitching rotation of that caliber. But at the same time, I think obviously it goes to show just how deep the SEC is this year. And that's something that we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. Just the depth in the conference is, is really on another level this year. It's always deep, but this year especially, it, it seems as though it's really from top to bottom super stacked and super talented. Yeah, and I think uh, you know we're, we're going to see more um, of these kinds of results. Uh, you know, I, they're going to be surprising results, I, I think, every weekend. And if you just look at this weekend's schedule, it's incredibly loaded in the SEC again. You have Arkansas going to Florida. You have Auburn going to Kentucky. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy how many big-time marquee matchups this conference can produce on any given week. And, you know, it's going to do it again next week. And I, I felt like... Um, you know, something that went a little under the radar because of what Arkansas and, and what Auburn did uh, was, you know, Vanderbilt went into Starkville and swept that series. And Vanderbilt now is, you know, I, I saw them the two previous weekends and they were playing really well out in L.A. And, um, you know, to go into Starkville and, and, and sweep the series is, is very impressive. And, um, you know, the, the Commodores are, are really rolling here at this point. And, um, you know, I... It's, it's looking very good for them. The, the young players are, are finding their stride, and you know, they've played the last three weekends on the road, and two of those have been, have been winning weekends, and uh, a third one, you know, they, they were just denied on a, on a walk-off in Houston of, of a third winning weekend. And, uh, so I, I've been impressed with what the Commodores have been doing, and you know, they're young, and we, we were a little... Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of unknowns about them coming into the season, but the, they're making they're making it known that, that those kids are ready to play and they're ready to compete in, in the SEC. 
No, I thought that was very loud, too. And it's a team that, I mean, it, it's reflected in our top 25, then moving into the top 10 from number 14 to go to Mississippi State. And we've documented Mississippi State has had some some obvious ups and downs this year with the, the coaching change and, you know, getting swept opening weekend and and all of that. But to, to do that at Duty Noble Field at Mississippi State, you know, a place with such a, a rich and, and boisterous and just crazy atmosphere, to be able to go there and do that, it, it's really impressive for Vanderbilt. So I, I agree with you. The, the, the Bulldogs didn't score for se- the first 17 innings of that series. I mean, it, they, they were the, – the first two games, you know, Vanderbilt went 5 nothing on Friday night, and then they went 10-1 to on Saturday. And that one was a – it was a ninth-inning garbage-time run for, for the Bulldogs. I mean, it's just all incredible all around from Vanderbilt. Yeah, no, no doubt. And then uh, another series worth worth touching on, to me at least, is uh, Florida at South Carolina. Uh, I had written a piece on BaseballAmerica.com on Mark Kingston, the new head coach at South Carolina from South Florida. He's obviously very familiar with the Gators. Uh, first weekend in SEC play, Florida wins it, the defending national champions, the number two team. That's, that's what you would expect, and they took care of business. But it was a it was a very hard-fought series. Um, the, the final game, the rubber match, was a one-run game, a 3-2 game. It was right there. It was winnable for South Carolina. To me, uh, the way they've played, even though they lost the series against Clemson and they lost the series to Florida, if I'm a South Carolina fan, I'm, I'm encouraged at, at the way that they've fought. Obviously, at the end of the day, you're going to need some wins on your record. I mean, that's what's going to get you into the regionals, having those wins. But these experiences early on, I think, will, will bode well for South Carolina. And obviously, Florida is continuing to roll at the top of our poll. They stay at number two. Oregon State's continuing to roll. They stay at number one. So not much changing there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, I think that both of those teams went out and took care of business on the road. Um, you know, and I, I thought I, I was pretty impressed by what Florida's offense did. You know, I, I know that um, a lot of people last year were very concerned about the offense, and I felt like this year the offense had a chance to click a lot sooner, and, and it has. And, and I thought what, what Florida did offensively uh, in in Columbia was uh, was very impressive. Even though they lost that that middle game, um, you know, they, they still scored uh, you know a bunch of runs and. Um, you know, I, I think they can be very encouraged now as, as they head home with the series win and, and get ready for a, a huge series against Arkansas this weekend. And then meanwhile, out west, uh, Oregon State goes to Cal, and Cal's kind of a you know exciting young team that that I know Mike, I know you you think really highly of, and, and that we all think pretty highly of. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a team that, that's been playing really well. Andrew Vaughn is hitting as well as anyone in the country. And, None of that faces Oregon State. Uh, Pat Casey was suspended the first couple games of the series uh, following an injection uh, last week. Yeah, that didn't bother them. And they they won just an incredible number of of, of series here. And And they don't even have their best player. They don't have Nick Madrigal. It's it's insane what they're doing. And they they, they haven't lost um, a Pac-12 series since 2016. And it's just incredible uh, how they just keep rolling through. And, you know, they're doing it in kind of some different ways, and they, they just find ways to win. And, um, you know, at, at this point, that's what we expect from the Beavers. But I, the, the excellence, the sustained excellence is remarkable. 
No, it, it certainly is. To be able to do that on the road against, like you said, uh, I, I think a very talented Cal team, and I think a team that, that certainly does have a chance to, to make some noise this season and get to a regional. But to do that, to pick up really right where they left off, I mean, the Beavers went an absurd 27-3 and in Pac-12 play last year. I keep repeating that number because I just can't believe it. it it's still a year later. I have a hard time fathoming that. And to pick up right where they left off with with all the the you know you mentioned suspension, Nick Madrigal getting hurt, just everything that's going on there to just keep rolling as if nothing you know phases them. It's it's really impressive and it's a testament to the culture and the system there that Pat Casey and his coaching staff has built. Um, because certainly to be able to excel at this level, I mean, really in a, a very professional and, and consistent way, is it's it's tough to do with a group of eighteen and twenty two year olds. So. It's certainly very impressive, and you know the rest of the Pac-12. Uh, unfortunately, Stanford was not in action uh, this weekend due to exams. I can only assume they ace their exams because they go to Stanford, and they're probably pretty smart. Maybe that's maybe that's a. a exams are probably pretty hard, though. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a good point. You know, we should probably do some digging and see just how they did. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, so you know, Stanford stays put. Oregon State stays put at number one. Uh, it's very clear that those two teams are the class of the Pac-12 and are two national championship contenders. We've obviously touched on the SEC and the contenders that they have, and there are a lot of them in that conference. The ACC, though, at this point is a, is a different story. It's a, it's a bit perplexing. Uh, I was at an ACC series this weekend, Wake Forest and Louisville, and uh, I'm going to dig into that conference and that series a little bit more. Uh, but first, uh, let's uh, get a word from our sponsor here, Health IQ. How would you like to save money for being active and physically fit? Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com BA or call 1-800-549-1664 to talk to a Health IQ agent. Mention the promo code BA for savings. Okay, so I was in Winston-Salem this past weekend uh, catching a series between Wake Forest and Louisville, as I mentioned, and... I, after this series, and also concurrently after what NC State did at Clemson, I'm just throwing my hands up and giving up on figuring out the ACC right now, because it is, it's it's a weird year in the conference. Um, Louisville, we've talked a lot about Louisville, uh, a team that has lost pretty much all the, the key players that you've talked about with Louisville over the last few years. Brennan McKay, obviously the first one who comes to mind. Guys like Drew Ellis, you know, Funkhauser, uh, you know, birdies, all the birdies. There are no more birdies left. You know, just a lot of the, the key pieces are off that team. It's a, it's a whole new team. It's a young core. They were coming off a strong opening weekend, though, against UNC. They they took that series. But they come to Wake, and Wake Forest handles them. Um, they, they win the series two out of three games. Um, they have now won series against Florida State, who was number three when they came to Winston-Salem, and Louisville, who was number 12 when they came to Winston-Salem. But Wake Forest overall is 9-11 and 4-2 and in the ACC. So... So, so figure that out. Um, <laughs> so you have that. It remains 
incredible. I mean, that's a Wake Forest team that, you know, I thought was pretty good coming into the year, and then they started, they had some suspensions, they started very poorly, and now they've figured it out again, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a head-scratcher overall. Yeah, you know, the thing that I would say, my observations of them, I got a good look at them this weekend, and I saw them on opening day as well. Uh, I, I think if they're a weekend rotation, you can make a case that when they're all healthy and throwing well, it could be the top rotation in the ACC. I would have said coming into this year, Florida State, especially with, with Tyler Holton at the front, but with him out with Tommy John's surgery, that changes the complexion of that rotation a bit. Carolina certainly in the conversation, but losing Luca Delatri for uh, an undetermined period of time with an injury, um, that's, that's a big blow. You look at Wake Forest, and... I came away very impressed this weekend. I had a, my second look at Griffin Roberts, who was even better than opening day, which was a very good start from him. Um, he struck out 13 in Louisville's lineup. His slider was absolutely filthy. I have multiple videos on Twitter. One that's gone low-key, kind of viral. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out and give me that RT. Um he was really filthy uh, on that Friday night. And he's a guy who uh, a lot of questions coming into this year as far as is he a reliever or a starter. He's been a reliever throughout his college career. They've tried him as their Friday starter this year. And I'm starting to buy the whole starter thing a little bit more on the pro level. He still needs to develop a changeup. He threw out of 124 pitches on Friday, he threw exactly zero changeups. But his fastball-slider combination – those are, those are two-plus pitches. The slider is one of the best, if not the best. I mean, it's, along with Casey Mize's splitter, uh, it's one of the best pitches in the, the draft class this year. And he, he showed a ton of confidence with it. His fastball, he was maintaining his velocity. His 102nd pitch was a 95-mile-per-hour fastball for a strikeout. So he was, he was special. But then behind him, you have Morgan McSweeney, another converted reliever, who was up to 94, touching 94 frequently early on with a, with a good slider. He ran out of steam in the middle innings against Louisville. That was the game they won. They came back after trailing early. Um, and that was really a case of him just being a converted reliever and just not having that built-up stamina yet. And then Sunday, you have Colin Palouse, who really just shut down Louisville by throwing a, a sinker just low in the zone, in on the hands, uh, 91 to 93, good late movement on it. You know, good feel for his off-speed pitches and pounding the corners. Those are three very solid arms. Rain Supple, sophomore closer, has been very good for them out of the pen. They're 9-11, though, and a big part of that is just the depth beyond those guys really isn't there. They're still trying to figure out the pecking order. But those three starters are as good as any in the ACC, and they're a dangerous team. Even though they're currently sitting at 9-11, you, you'll certainly see them, I think, above 500 sooner than later. As for Louisville... It wasn't a good look this weekend. Uh, there's no question. Adam Wolf was very good on Friday night, uh, but, ne- but neither Shea Smitty or Riley Thompson uh, could follow up. Um, Shea Smitty was was beat up pretty early on, gave up six runs to Wake. Um, he's an 88 to 89 guy. He was leaving the fastball up in the zone, and Wake Forest hitters were taking advantage. It was a big weekend for Wake Forest freshman hitters who have some big shoes to fill with Gavin Sheets and and uh, Stuart Fairchild and, and guys like that going on to the draft. But it was a good weekend for them. 
Um, Riley Thompson on Sunday for Louisville, a guy who's been up to the mid and upper 90s in the past. He was 90 to 92 through like 60 pitches in two innings, only lasted two innings. It was not a very good outing for him. You know, Louisville certainly, uh, I, they're, they're going to be okay. They have talent. It's just they need to figure out some things. They need to get healthier and really just figure out the right lineup and the right pitching rotation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when we look at Louisville, I mean, first of all, they, they never got they need to blow it out here. You know, they, they lost on Friday night 2-1. to one. They ran into the guy that's pitching like the best pitcher in the ACC right now and very well may be the best pitcher in the ACC. Um, you know, that happens. And then on Sunday, you know, they lost 6-3. to three And, you know, it, it, it's not great, but they, they played a pretty tough team in a really tough road environment pretty well. Um, you know, and I think for a young Louisville team, you know, there are – you know, that there's, there's positives to take from that. There are positives to take from, from the way they came back on, on Saturday. And I, I just know that the rotation that Louisville's throwing out there now, it's going to look different in May uh, if, if everything goes to plan. You know, Nick Bennett is, is just coming back. Um, you know, he missed a few weeks here at the start of the year. He's, he's just working his way back. That was a guy that's a freshman All-American in the rotation last year. And, um, you know, he, he pitched well out of the pen this weekend. He did. Bennett did make an appearance this weekend and pitched well, so that is encouraging for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think he pitched against Texas Tech in the midweek, and, and so those were his first two appearances since uh, an abbreviated opening weekend um, appearance. And so getting him back is big. They're still hopeful that they're going to get Michael McAveen back from Tommy John surgery uh, in the next month or so. Uh, that's a guy that started opening weekend as a freshman. Uh, you know, in their rotation. So, um, you know, if they can get a little healthier, uh, you know, I think that their pitching is going to be in good shape. And you know, I still feel really good about that team um, in general. Uh, but, you know, the ACC as a whole is a, it's a mess. And, uh, you know, it, we thought that coming into this weekend that Clemson was the best team in the league. Um, you know, they, they're ranked fifth, and we're really impressed by what they've done to, to that point. And, you know, NC State, a team that we've been a little skeptical of, frankly. Um, you know, just the, the schedule had been very soft to this point, but we, I, I can't really talk about their soft schedule anymore because they just went to Clemson and swept a series. Um, they'd never done that before as a program. And, um, you know, the Wolfpack, uh, they, they held down a really powerful Clemson offense to one run over the first two days. And, you know, Elliot Avent told me that the wind was blowing in at Clemson those, those two days and that that helped. But, you know, North Carolina State still found a way to score runs. Clemson didn't. And, um, you know, Avent really credited pitching coach Scott Foxhall for the way he called pitches, the way that the Wolfpack were set up to, to face the Tigers. And, um, you know, the, the North Carolina State offense, we knew they were going to hit. You know, that, that wasn't really a question. But the, the way it's rolling right now, it's very impressive. Brett Kittman's playing incredible. Uh, Josh McClain has been very good. Uh, you know, as a leadoff hitter. They got Evan Edwards stepping up, um, you know, taking over the, the cleanup spot. Um, you know, Will Wilson has been, uh, you know, really, really solid. He had two home runs in, in Sunday's finale. Uh, and they're doing this all without uh, Steven Patera, who's been a, a, a regular in their lineup for the last few years. And, uh, you know, he's out with a hamstring injury still for a couple more weeks. But it, it's an incredibly offensive team. You know, that doesn't even include guys like Brad Debo and Brock Dethridge, who, who 
I mean, it's just one through nine, really. It's, it's just very strong uh, for the Wolfpack. And if they can find enough pitching, and, and they did this weekend, it was a little unconventional at times. Sunday essentially was a bullpen game. <laughs> but if they can find enough pitching uh, you know, throughout the season, I mean, that's a that's an NC State team that, that's a force to be reckoned with in a conference that, uh, you know, is is wide open for the taking. They're they're in first place in whatever division they're in. And, Atlantic. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike's got to help me out on the division, but, uh, but you know they're they're in a really good spot here two weeks in. Yeah, no, no doubt. And uh, you know, you mentioned the the pitching side of things, and that's that's the part of it. That's the part of the equation that impresses me most about their weekend because. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Clemson's lineup. I think from top to bottom, it's it's up there as far as one of the best lineups in college baseball. And the fact that they were able to shut them out on Friday and hold them to just five combined runs the entire weekend is, to me, I mean, it's the, the loudest part of that series win for NC State because, as you said, we felt pretty confident that they were going to have a good offense this year. And I, I'm not surprised to see them score at Clemson. But for them to be able to hold that lineup and the likes of Seth Beer and Logan Davidson and Chris Williams and all those guys who have a lot of pop, a lot of power, a lot of tools, to be able to hold them to just five runs on an entire weekend, that's certainly really impressive for NC State. And, uh, you know, they had played a soft schedule to this point, but I'm, uh, I'm starting to, to drink the NC State Kool-Aid a little bit here. I'm, uh, I'm, starting, to, I'm starting to believe um, it, it certainly was a hashtag statement, um, as uh, Wolfpack fans like to say. And you could read more about it. As Teddy was referencing, he, t- he chatted with Elliot Avent. You could read more about it in his off-the-bat piece on our website. Um, you know, elsewhere in the ACC, uh, we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Duke and what Duke has done to this point. Uh, again, it's another team in the ACC that isn't a traditional power, in, at least in terms of baseball. Obviously, basketball is a different story, but in terms of baseball, hasn't been a traditional power. Um, just made its first regional in a long time, um, a, a couple seasons ago, and. Uh, you know, but Chris Pollard and that coaching staff has done a great job on the recruiting trail, bringing in a lot of talent. There's a lot of buzz about Duke coming into this year from the local scouts and just the scouting community at large because of prospects like Griffin Conine, who has some of the most power in the college game, if not the most power in the college game, and Jimmy Heron. And, um, you know, really, Duke has done this not just with those two guys because those guys have been up and down uh, offensively to this point. They've done it. It's been a whole team effort. Conine's been mostly down. Yeah, yeah. It's been – I saw Conine very good. I, I went to the one game where he was I – mean, he, he homered and then hit a double off the wall and left. But, yes, no, he's been mostly down. So they've done this. It's not just those two guys. It, it, they've done it as a whole team effort. They've pitched well. They had a really young pitching staff last year. Um, a talented pitching staff. They brought in some talented recruits, but very young and inexperienced. And those guys are, are growing up a little bit. Um, they've developed. They're, they're showing that they've they've made at least a little bit of a jump, if not a, a bigger jump. And if they're if they can continue to pitch the way they have, to have this whole team effort that they they have going on, they're a vain, very dangerous club. Um, you look at what they've done the first two weekends in ACC play. They win a series against a then-ranked Virginia team. Uh, Virginia's, I, I'm not pushing the panic button yet, but I'm kind of, my finger's kind of uh, on it. Um, you know, they have, they've had some injuries and uh, don't look quite the same. They did, they were able to come back in a really hard-fought 
uh, series against Boston College this weekend. But Virginia is not off to a great start here in ACC play. But Duke beats Virginia opening weekend, and then they beat Miami, another traditional ACC power. Again, a team that's down in terms of talent the last two years, but they beat them. And that's that's really loud for Duke to be able to do that the first two weekends. They're now they're in first place in that other division, the Coastal Division in the ACC. And uh, it's, a, it's a little strange to see, but I, I believe we talked about this on our, lot, on our last podcast. You look at their schedule and you look at their division opponents. That's, at least this year, the weaker division in the ACC, it seems. I don't know. We could be wrong. I, don't, I, I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we might not know. Um, it's maybe it's a stronger one. I don't know. But um, so far, they lead that they're tied with with UNC, who swept Pittsburgh this weekend. Was a was a good uh, finally you know UNC getting on the the right winning track there it was something that needed to be done for them they finally started hitting a little bit and swinging the bats we'll see if they carry that over into some tougher competition Florida State's coming to town uh, this weekend coming up but Duke has been very impressive so far NC State's been really impressive so far I still don't know who the best team in this conference is I still want to say it's maybe Florida State maybe Clemson in terms of talent but. I, I really don't know if, uh, and we talked about this a little bit, if there's a team that you could put your finger on right now and say, hey, this is a national championship contender. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, you know, right now, in the, my, my constantly updating A for Omaha and, and this week's uh, off the bat, Florida State's the only ACC team that I have in there. And, you know, if Clemson had won this weekend, um, you know, they might have found, their, found themselves in the field. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's, it's rough right now trying to pick out teams in this league that you feel confident about, um, and especially when we start looking at the postseason because the thing about, uh, you know, both Clemson and NC State is that they're so offensive. And, you know, Clemson has had, you know, they haven't, Monty Lee's had them host regionals in back-to-back years, and they haven't been able to win a regional. Um, you know, and this team's set up in kind of the same way, that it's very hitting heavy and that the pitching is okay. It's good enough to win conference, but you put it in a, in a regional setting, and like last year, Vanderbilt comes in, and you know, they don't have anyone to match up with Kyle Wright. No. Um, you know, and it's going to be the same, same story for Clemson this year. Um, you know, they're if they get the wrong matchup, you know, they're going to be outpitched. And at that point, they have to prove that they can hit elite, probably SEC pitching. And, um, you know, that's tough. And NC State's kind of in the same boat. You know, it's been, uh, obviously, they've, they're really good at getting to regional finals. They've made it to three, I think it's three in a row, maybe four in a row. Uh, they just haven't been able to quite get over the hump. And, um, you know, State fans know all about that and, uh, you know, just how tough that's been for them. And, you know, this team, I feel like, is kind of in the same way as, as Clemson, that, you know, they're going to hit a lot, and but if they get matched up at the wrong spot, um, you know, are they going to be able to handle the elite pitching that they would then have to face in a regional or super regional? And, um, you know, Duke is so young. Louisville is, is pretty young themselves. And, um, you know, trying to pick out a, a team from that group that, that can make a deep run in the postseason is it's tricky right now, and for me right now, it's still Florida State. I still believe, uh, you know, the experience, depth of that team. But I'll tell you, without Tyler Holton, um, you know, it looks a lot different. And then when you talk about trying to win in Omaha without your ace, um, 
you know, it's one thing to, to go through the ACC. It's one thing to go through the first couple rounds of the tournament without that guy. But you know, to, to go out on the biggest stage and not have him available, I mean, that's that's going to be a tall order for the Seminoles. And, you know, in general, I mean, that's where the ACC is right now. It's, uh, it's a weird, weird place. But, you know, I, I, it's not just that conference. The Big 12 is suffering from that right now. Uh, you know, Texas Tech and, and TCU, the two teams we liked the most coming into the season, and you can start Texas into that, too. I mean, they've all kind of been scuffling out of the gate. You know, Texas Tech has been going so well. Um, this road trip was really tough on them. And, um, you know, there's no shame in that, but they're also missing their, their ace and Stephen Gingery. Um, you know, and, and I, it's, the Pac-12 has a couple elite teams. The SEC has a, several elite teams. The rest of the country... Uh, right now, at least, is a little lacking in terms of elite teams. Yeah, I I agree with you completely. And and the thing to me, and you, and you touched on this, talking about some of the powers in the ACC lacking on the, on the pitching side. You know, having that dominant rotation, and really, you know, you you compare pitching with those elite teams in the SEC and their rotations. And in the Pac-12, I mean, Stanford with Beck and, and Bubich and, and Eric Miller. And obviously, you know, you look at Florida with, with Singer and Coar and, and Dyson and just so many, and Auburn with Mize. I mean, it's just nonstop. It seems like every team has multiple aces. And you look at the ACC and you don't really see that. I mean, that's why, I mean, I'm talking about Wake Forest as, as maybe the top rotation. I, I think it is in terms of stuff. Um, you know, North Carolina, maybe with Baum and Bergner, if they're able to pitch the way that they pitched this weekend, if they're able to continue that, they certainly have the stuff to be dominant. Um, losing Delatry for however long they don't have him is, is, is certainly a big blow there. But, yeah, there aren't a lot of pitchers right now in the ACC who scare you. Um, and that's just not the case in the SEC and the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's going to be a thing all season long is, um, you know, in the ACC, there are like a handful of true Friday starters. And, um, you know, I, I think the teams are really offensive. It, it, it's just a very offensive year in the ACC. Um, and I, I am offended. In the postseason is going to be fascinating to me. Yeah, no, I it is offensive. I am offended because I, I can't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the you know those were you know for at least for me those were the big storylines from this weekend from what I saw. You know, Teddy, is is there anything else that you would like to touch on here? Yeah, I think that um, you know first of all, I, I have a few things. First of all, shout out to uh, Southern Cal and USF. They both threw combined no hitters. Shane McClanahan was dominant for USF on Friday night. 15 strikeouts in six innings. His numbers are silly. Uh, looking forward to him playing a uh, little step up in competition when American uh, play starts. Um, I think I think it's next week for them. Um, so, a couple more no hitters. The, the year the no hitter continues. The big, in the Big Ten, uh, Minnesota huge series win at TCU. The Gophers are going really well. You know, we, we've had Indiana ranked all season long. Illinois has been ranked the last couple weeks. Minnesota was a team I felt really, I, you know, I, I was encouraged about coming into the season. They get a, a marquee series win. Uh, we'll see if they're able to, to carry that over now. And Ohio State is... Uh, the, o- the Ohio State, Teddy. The Ohio State. The Ohio State. Uh, you know, and uh, the Buckeyes, I mean, that, that is not a team... You know, Minnesota, I felt like, could make a run at the conference title this year. 
Uh, Ohio State is not a team coming into the year that I was looking at potentially doing that. But they have the second-best record in the Big Ten. They're on a six-game winning streak. They have wins against Southern Miss, Coastal, two wins against UNC Wilmington. Um, it's a, it's an impressive group. Their offenses are really going hot. Um, and you know, I, I've just been very intrigued by what the Buckeyes have put together uh, coming off of a, a pretty disappointing 2017 but they're going really well now here in 2018, and you can read more about that also and off the bat. I don't want to get started on the Big Ten because I'll probably just keep rolling. Uh, so we'll keep moving it here. Um, and recognize on a more somber note that, uh, you know, Augie Garrido, legendary Texas and Fullerton coach, the winningest coach uh, in NCAA history, died uh, on Thursday. And that was a, a very emotional um for, for a lot of people in college baseball, he had touched so many lives. So many people in college baseball played for him, played under him, coached with him, um, and, and he uh, he was a very beloved figure around the game. And you saw that outpouring throughout the weekend. Um, you know, I, I know several I saw several um, places uh, putting either his number sixteen or his initials on their mound, and um, Cal State Fullerton, the, the place that he built essentially uh, put his number huge in center field and um, you know that both both the Titans and the uh, and the Longhorns the two teams he's most associated with uh, had big sweeps this weekend in what I imagined was was just a very emotional weekend for everyone associated with those programs especially in Texas where those players um, for the most part were recruited by him and uh, you know several of them, played under him as well so uh just it, it was very impressive to to see the outpouring from the the baseball community both in college and, and pro ball and and just the way that that extended uh into this weekend yeah no doubt and it, it was certainly you know there's no question what an impact Augie Garrido made on the college game. You know, Teddy and myself, we're we're a bit younger and, and don't have as much of a, a personal relationship with him as some of the, you know, the coaches who have been in the game for, for as long as they have. But you talk to people around baseball, and when his name comes up, it's just nothing but respect for what he did, what he built at Cal State Fullerton in Texas, and just his – value and, and his wisdom and what he imparts on, on young men and helping them really become men and helping them the rest of their lives. It's, there's no question that he is such a, an impactful force in college baseball, a legend, obviously the winningest coach, and certainly his loss is felt around the country, and, and thoughts and prayers go to the Texas and Cal State Fullerton and all the, the communities that he had been a part of his family and friends and everyone in the game that he had touched, certainly. So uh, our best thoughts and, and prayers to, to all those people. And, uh, you know, Teddy, it's, uh, it's been uh, a, a, another wild week, obviously, in college baseball. There's been a lot going on. It's, it's only going to get wilder, I'm sure, these next couple of weekends. There are going to be some more difficult calls in our top 25, a lot more movement. So make sure that you continue to follow us. You can follow Teddy at Ted Cahill uh, on Twitter. You can follow me at mlanana, uh, that's M-L-A-N-A-N-N-A. Uh, rewind and replay that if you didn't hear that. And <laughs> it's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you listening and reading uh, as always and following along. And we look forward to continuing this uh, this week and, and podcasting again next Monday. 
So thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ helps health conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com slash BA to see if you qualify. Thanks again. Talk to you guys next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.